Hi, hi, it's Joy Foster, founder of Tech Pixies, and you are listening to the Sparkle and Thrive podcast. And today we have a very special guest, someone near and dear to my heart, uh, Addie Pinkster. So Addie, thank you for coming and being here today. I cannot wait for this conversation. Thank you for having me. I love you guys. And I also love all the women and people who come through it as well. So I'm so chuffed you invited me. Thank you. So Addie and I met at an event that a friend of mine said, oh, you should come along to this event. And I was like, okay, I'll go. And I ended up at this event and we ended up like sitting next to each other, waiting for something to happen. And we just struck up a conversation and I uh, told you about what I do. And you said, I think you should come and, you know, talk to some of the people I know, and, and maybe we can talk about how we can grow your business. And I was at that place in my business where I had worked really, really hard. And I was also really, really tired. And I was also trying to decide what I do. Do I wrap it up? Do I move on? Do I get a real job? I think a lot of entrepreneurs go through that. Or do I do I go forwards and really grow this thing? And you had a lot of experience with that. And you had a lot of experience identifying people and companies that could grow. I mean, yeah, you're not giving yourself enough credit for that conversation because I remember it really well. We were sort of, we were both kind of off stage while everyone was listening to a talk and we were kind of killing time before we were both going on. Um, But you, my memory of that was that you, firstly, you had energy and you had vision and you were doing something that was really high impact and you were actually asking really specific questions so you may have thought at that point in your life you were at a bit of a impasse or a transition point but what I heard from you was really specific questions and you you definitely came to me going I think what I want to do is this I don't quite know how to do that bit or people are offering me money to invest but I don't quite know how to close that and it was a combination of specific questions that I thought I could help with combined with what you actually did have you know such a clear vision and such clear impact and it was so clear that you already were experiencing demand but it made so much sense to me what you were doing and such a needed service you were providing that it was it was it was so easy to step in and go well if those are your two questions I actually know the answers to quite a lot of that so why don't we go and have a longer conversation about it but it wasn't I don't remember that conversation being a kind of it wasn't like a sort of psychic meeting of chemistry. You did, you knew what you didn't know. And those happened to be things that I had some views on. So, you know, it was, you set yourself up really well for that conversation, I guess is what I'm saying. Well, thank you for that. I appreciate it. But I will say what was interesting, and and this is where it goes into what you don't know. I didn't know anything about the investment world. And this is a, we're doing a podcast series on investment right now because we have a lot of women who get started with social media and then maybe their following grows, maybe the traction grows and they think, okay, well, what do I want to do with this following? How do I monetize this following? And then they start moving that way. And then sometimes they get a bigger idea, right? And they know that that bigger idea is going to require some additional funding that they don't personally have. And so I wanted to do a series to kind of open the conversation around investment. And you've worked with a lot of female founders. Um, you've worked with a lot of male founders as well. But you're, you're, you know, my experience with you was you are very passionate about women uh, raising money for big ideas and moving forward with them. Where does that come from? Where, where did your desire to help uh, women cross that barrier and grow big businesses come from? Yeah, it's a good question. So, so let me split that up into two things. The first is contextual. When you and I met, you're right, I was really thinking about women. And what's interesting now, that's what was three, four years ago, it, that already feels like a really outdated concept, I think. So I think now when people talk about women, I really am thinking about underrepresented minorities. So specifically when it comes to founders, what I'm thinking about is, yes, women, sexuality, neurodiversity, but especially in founders, I'm thinking about people who aren't from London, regions. I mean, there are just so many great companies around me, especially in the creative industries, which I think you sort of face on too really well. Um, 
I think a lot about socioeconomic groups. And I think basically I'm thinking about the network. If two people have an equally good ability to execute and equally good ideas, are there things that are pushing some people further forward that aren't others? So classically, if you're a white male who went to Eton and Oxbridge and your father's a CEO of a FTSE 100 company, you're going to have a higher network and have grown up more with certain bits of language that create open more doors. Um, so anything, anything that's the opposite of that, I'm quite interested in. Um, the other thing I think a lot about is where the end product and use is. So, you know, even if it was founded by a white male, well-off, well-connected founder, I'm really interested in solutions that help across the UK into the hard to capture corners. I'm really interested in things that help lower socioeconomic groups and various things like that. And I can give you lots of examples of that as, as, as we go forward, if that's interesting. Now, why is it interesting to me? It's interesting to me for two reasons. I mean, the first is I, I classically am facing onto money. So impact's important, but I have to have the financial argument. And the financial argument for me is really, really straightforward, which is if you're an investor, you are looking for high conviction investment opportunities that are not crowded. If you have someone where everyone's all over them, they know everyone anyway, and they just have the ability to kind of sell on a dime, um, you are already going into a kind of a frothier investment opportunity where the valuations are going to be higher. You know, the, the amazing opportunity is when you find something that you're really high conviction on the sector, really high conviction on the company, on the founder, on their journey, and you're not competing with loads of other investors as well. So my absolute favorite thing is to find you know, an unstoppable trend that I'm super high conviction on that I think the rest of the market hasn't even thought about yet, or it just isn't there, or for some reason they're just not thinking straight. So just for example, we've got loads, but Slick is a software that is used by hair and salon owners, which is a really important base layer of the economy and happens to be like tens and hundreds of thousands of classically women, not always, running businesses across high streets, across the UK, employing one to five or six or 15 people that totally deserve to be enabled and the demands there. And these are smart women who want to digitize their businesses. But if you go to like a male investor in Mayfair, they're like, really, women have that relationship with hair? And I'm like, they do, my love, they really do. <laughs> um, but that's great for me. I'm so high conviction that the, all these businesses want to digitize. And I'm equally delighted that no one else has thought to digitize them because mostly it's being run by men. And I'm delighted that no one else is investing it because it means that I can and get a really close relationship with the CEO. So, so that's the kind of financial investment thesis. And then everyone else gets on the wavelength. So you know, we do a lot of decarbonisation. We've done a lot of deskless working. We've done a lot in HR technologies. It just so happens a lot of that's really come through in the last year with COVID. And we've done a lot in um, software for hospitality companies. And that's been really interesting because one of the reasons we liked it was it was a way of enabling a lot of frontline workers, what used to be called blue collar workers. You know, these are people who are earning minimum wage. Often English isn't their first language, not necessarily having a particularly engaged relationship with their managers. And we were able to provide technology solutions that gave them much higher engagement and job satisfaction. Now, funnily enough, the world's come along and COVID's come along and that technology is really needed. But that's that. The, the second thing, I'll, I'll be quicker on my other two answers. The, the second thing I'll say quickly was I had this sort of moment when I was in the city of thinking, like, I'm not creating anything here. I'm not creating a legacy. I'm making money and I earn a salary. But if I died, it would be like, here's Addie Pinkster. This is her lifetime PL. I was like, that's a shit, you know, that's a rubbish gravestone. Like and what I wanted it to be and what I think I'm making strides towards now is one that says, here lies Addie Pinkster. This is the difference she's made to these people's lives. This is the difference she's made to these companies. And this is the net impact on the world from that. And what better place to start than with groups who have a clear question or an ask that you think you can help. 
And the very final thing I say is I had been the beneficiary of not positive discrimination, but a lot of support. You know, I'd always been the only girl in the room and it had never bothered me, almost never, one or two exceptions. And I'd got a lot of help and I've got a lot of coaching. And I've, you know, I work for a big city bank. So we were given like coaches and therapists and psychologists and and we had confidence and and, and our PL spoke for itself at the end of the day. But I, what I'm clear on is there are quite a lot of tricks in the trade that basically can be democratized. And having learned them because big banks would pay a lot of money for, to teach me, it's, I'm pretty happy just to open that open source to other women and other people and go, guys, here are the tricks, have them, everything will change. And it is that, it's about standing for something greater than yourself and leaving <laughs> a legacy. And I think that is what you are doing um, with the companies that you work with because you choose very selectively who you work with. Um, I felt very lucky that you even wanted to work with me. Um, but I will say, you know, one of the things that you did for me, that gift that you gave me was after I did come and kind of in my very tired state, but, you know, brought as much energy as I could when I did come and I presented my company. Uh, and really, it was that opportunity to say, is this an investable company or not? You, I don't know if you remember this, but you put your hands on my shoulders. You look me straight in the eye and you're like, you are investable. Your company is investable. You just got to do this. Like, go, just do it. <laughs> yeah. So th there's an interesting question, that, isn't it? I mean, so for people who don't know me, which I'm guessing is most people, firstly, I've moved house this weekend. So I don't always live in this kind of squalor. Um, but yeah, we're literally mid-house move at the moment, which is why it all looks a bit weird behind me. Um, I'm very candid. There's a great book. If, if anyone wants a book tip, Radical Candor. It's, it's out at the moment. Everyone's talking about it VC well. It's a brilliant book and I, I completely subscribe to it. So I'm completely candid. And my, my style of feminism is that when I rate someone and believe in them, I basically feel like I put the gun straight between your eyes and I pull the trigger. I, and putting that in a more gentle way, what I mean is if there's something to be said, I will say it to you. And I will say it to you directly. And I won't say it behind your back. And I won't say it to other people. And in fact, when we then face out to the world, I'm right next to you and I'm presenting on your behalf. But if there's something to be said, I will say it to you. So there's another whole part of this equation, which is about giving people confidence and belief and energy. But when I said that to you, I said it because I meant it. And if I didn't believe that, I would have equally taken you aside and said, Joy, I think this is an error. Now, of the companies we see, and we get approached by about 100 to 300 companies a month, and we sign about one every three months to sort of give an idea of the statistics. But of the companies we see, you know, a small proportion are like, this is brilliant and it's right for us and let's go and make babies and go forward. There's quite a lot where we think, this is really great and you're really close. We're not going to be able to take it on. But we can probably help you quite quickly and give you some time and resources. There's quite a lot where we think, I don't really get this, but maybe someone else is. I don't feel strongly enough to tell you. But every so often, maybe once a year, we're in the very unfortunate position of taking someone aside and saying, do you know, I really don't think this is going to work. And the reason I'm saying this to you is you've told me about your family situation. I know about your mental health. I know about your financial situation. I know about the pressures you're under at home. I know about the oncology you've got in your family or something else it is. And I really want you to understand what you're moving into if you cross this threshold line. And with my experience, please feel free to ignore this advice if you know it's helpful. But I want to be the best, like, you know, you know, when one of your friends is marrying the guy that's really, really wrong and nine out of time times you go, I'm going to let you do this. But one in 10, you go, this is really dangerous for you. And I'm going to have a conversation with you that may mean that you hate me for the rest of my life. But I think someone needs to say this to you. Does that make any sense? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. It takes a lot of courage to be able to say that to people and to say, no, you're not, this isn't the right time for you. And actually you touched on something that's really important because uh, having raised investment now with your help, um, 
I, I know the pressures of what it's like when you cross that threshold. It's a different game. You know, before we're raising investment, you're accountable to yourself. You're accountable to your customers. As soon as you raise investment, you're accountable to the investment, uh, the investors, and also to the, the, the longevity of your company as well and the success of your company. And there are some pressures that come along with that. And, uh, and if you aren't in a good state mentally or you don't have the family support, um, that can be really hard. So I, I think that's a great point that no one has talked about yet in this investment investment series, like the importance for you as, a, in, as an individual to be in a good place when you go for investment. It, you know, it's absolutely front of my mind. And again, I, saw, I, I'm, I speak my mind and quite often I'm quite contrarian. So anything I say, I'm, sort of, I'm almost, I sometimes almost like intentionally kind of contrarian, but the, take this with a pinch of salt. But in, in order to say the things that don't always get said, in the last few years, and, and thanks in part to the Rose Review and, and other great things that have been thought, there's so much about female founders and female founders getting investment. But the biggest thing I say to that every time is, not every female wants to raise investment. And if they do, they don't want to raise a lot. So it's totally okay to set up a company and not take external investment or and not even to take debt and grow out of profits. That's what I've done. You know, I deal with this all day and I haven't taken investment into Adelpha. Um, it's just not what I want to do in my life. It's not what I want. It's not the pressure I want. It's not how I want to do this. I want, I'm happy to grow slow enough that I grow out of profits. And actually that gives me time to balance my life because if not, I can get a bit crazy. And it gives me time to build a slow, solid quality business rather than feeling I always have to reach for the next thing. So the first thing is, do you even want to raise money? And, and the second thing is, as I was thinking about coming in today, I mean, like the first point I was going to make was, you know, raising money is hard. It's the, the hard thing is not the raising of the money often if, it, if you are an investable company. The hard thing is what you're entering into afterwards. And, and it should be done. I guess what I think about all this, the headlines around female founders and, and funding is I think it creates quite a lot of social pressure to raise money. It's like, I don't know how you feel. I always feel when someone says, how many people are in your business now? I always feel like I want to inflate the answer. And it's bollocks. Like, no, you say like, look, there are four people in my business. We run it slim and we run it thin. And we're much happier with that. It means I can get on doing deals and I don't spend my time managing people. But that's okay to say that. We shouldn't have this kind of voice inside our head saying, you sound like a bigger, better, more successful company if you've employed more people. You sound like a bigger, better company if you've raised money. You sound like a bigger, better company if you've raised more money. Just be aware that every time you take money on, these are real, especially at early stages, classically people you know, is there real money that they've earned that they're not spending on a house or a holiday? And there is real responsibility attached to that and depending on who you take in you may be giving up control rights there's a, there's a lot that comes with it and my first question is are you really sure you want to raise money and if so are you really sure you want to raise that much mm. yeah when I even remember when we had our first conversation you're like so if I give you a million pounds right now what would you do and I was like wait hold on I know I don't that and you and I didn't have an answer for that I was like I would buy a building and you're like that's not good enough and what was great about it was you challenged me in terms of the level that I wanted to raise how much I wanted to raise where I wanted to go with the business and I think those are important you need to be challenged on those questions and uh and I think um you know I think for me for sure I look back and I think that was 100% the right decision um and you know I once I had uh was moving in the direction the right people came to me I found the right people you know I found you and you found me and we were able to move forwards um but it is you know you do need coaching and support as you move into places that you've never been before. And that's a huge part of the work that you do uh, with the founders that you work with, et cetera. What are some of the things that, that you see that um, 
founders from any background, not just a female background, but where are the areas that you see that they need to kind of up their game on in order to be ready for investment? That's a massive question, Joy. Um, oh, God. Um, you've touched on one thing, which is how much money do you actually want to raise? And uh, that question about, you know, if I gave you, you say, I don't really know. And I said, well, if I gave you a million. Is that too much? And then when they start saying things like, I want to buy a building, you're like, okay, that's not a real thing. We can cut that. Let's say 500, what would you spend? Like, I, I believe in like raise little and often and prove yourself each time and take your valuation up each time. But, but, but classically, when you raise money, it should be, you know, it's a capex spend. It's, it's a just add water thing. It's, I'll give you an example. We're doing one at the moment, brilliant female founder business. They test soil for carbon dioxide absorption. And at the moment, they have a machine that they built and paid for themselves that can process 250 samples a day. And they've got demand to do 10,000 samples a day. So their take is, if we can buy another machine and a bigger and a better machine, we can go up to doing 3,000 samples a day. We know we've got demand for that. And we can therefore say at 25 pounds per sample per day with 3,000 per day, if we run it five days a week, 50 day, weeks a year, we're pretty certain that our revenues for the rest of financial year 2021 and 2022, the next 18 months will be this. Like that's a great reason to raise money. And I've, you know, and it's a very hardware related thing, but it makes it easier to understand, I think, which is I am here. I am confident I get there if I just do this one thing. I think what doesn't work so well is if you think, what, did, what definitely doesn't work very well is this business isn't working. I am cash short. I need to fill a hole in my cash flow. And if I raise money, that fills the hole. Because that is like, I mean, that's like gambling. That's like being in a bad position and just constantly throwing bad money after good. Um, so that's the first thing. I think I personally like a company that is doing one thing and one thing well. I'm not so keen on the, like, like you, if you came to me now, it's like, I'm doing this and then I could add that and then I could add that and then I could add that and then eventually I'm going to be Facebook. I'm like, that's just, I just need to know, like, what is your one wink, we call it, wildly important goal? What is the thing that you go up every day and every morning? Can you work out the three things that are going to get you closer to that? I mean, we, did, we, did we give that Steve Redgrave quote when we, you and I first met? Oh, um, I don't know, but I do know Steve. I, I know you do. Um, yeah, so my favourite quote and my old mental gift to me in banking is like, does it make the boat go faster? We've actually got it on our wall at Adelpha. So um, my understanding, you'll probably be able to verify this, Steve Redgrave's like overriding question was, does it make the boat go faster? And if the answer is yes, we will do this. And if the answer is no, we won't. So Steve Redgrave, I believe, never went to an Olympics opening ceremony in the five Olympics that he got gold medals in or however many it was, because it doesn't make the boat go faster. And that's well, like that kind of focus of we're here, we're doing this, we're getting to there. Do you want to invest in me to get there is, is what I like a lot. Well, and I remember a, a, a situation where uh, they were having a conversation about that before the Sydney Olympics, where they ended up winning the gold medal. And it was when Tim, who was the lightest one in the boat, suggested that some of the heavier ones in the boat needed to lose some weight in order to go faster. And they had that conversation. Will it make the boat go faster? And ultimately they had to do, they had to lose a bit of weight in order to go faster. And that was, you know, that was the way that they had calculated it. And, it, you know, that wasn't an easy conversation. I remember in uh, from for Tim to have, which is my who's my husband who was in that boat. But uh, you know that's it's all those fine tuning mechanisms, isn't it? It's all the little one percent changes you make. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'd read it a slightly different way. I think what ties this whole conversation in, starting from <clears throat> some of the questions I asked you three years ago, is if you ask the right question and you're looking through the right lens, your priorities become quite clear. 
what's difficult is when you're not asking the right question or you're asking lots of questions and then you're like you know if you're feeling like my world looks like Leviathan it's just this big sort of gray mist of a business and opportunity you're not ready for investment you have to be really clear like my goal is that I'm going to work better for that. And I think actually, if you've got friends you can lean on, the first person who's really helpful to talk to in my mind is if you have someone who has a really strong marketing strategy background. That's the first, before you even come on to people like me in the investment bit, it's someone who really gets you clean on who are you? What's your wildly important goal, vision? What does that mean for the next 12 months? What does that mean for the next six months? What does good look like? What does it look like in terms of financial KPIs? What does it look like in terms of quality of feedback? What would you... If you had a client come through your business and they were to give you the best review possible, what does it want to say? What is your essence? What are the five things that capture your essence? So for us, one of ours is no bullshit, authentic. You know, we never go out going, hey, come to Adelphi. We're no bullshit, we're authentic. But we know that's who we are. Um, and you know, we we even get as far as like knowing, you know, in our organization, there's a there's a playbook. It's like this is how you send an email, this is how you make a phone call, this is when you make a phone call versus seeing someone, this is how you give feedback to someone. You know, we, we know who we are and what we are and we know what our goal is and we know if you ask someone on my team I hope they'll tell you what our three most important goals are this week what our three most important goals are to September what our three most important goals are to December and what our vision for the business is next year and when when that sort of clarity is there from the leadership and the top everything else pans in oh I love the big three and I think we definitely have to spend a minute on that so I also believe in the big three and having a big three for the quarter, for the month, for the week, for the day, and looking back and reflecting on your wins as well as you go. And I think that's something you do really well. You celebrate the wins and you have had a lot of them uh, and they're important to celebrate. Uh, it's really generous for you to say that. I don't feel we do. In fact, you know, I mean, like, like lots of us and lots of women, I go to bed every night just thinking what I've done badly in the day and what I've done badly in the week. But, but you're right, in recording what your goals are, especially if there's more than one of you in the team, even for yourself, it's important to drive forward. But it's critical to look back. Because I basically find, no matter what I achieve, and in general, we are sort of, we generally track ahead of our forecasts. But I get that, and all I can see is what the gap is to where I need to be next. So I never look back and go, hang on. And in the, the early days at Adelpha, you know, I mean, we were about nine months in, and I was in a really bad way about it. You know, that like, angry, frustrated, sleepless night, constantly like I'm about to have a heart attack, just really running the pressure of it. And eventually my COO, lovely Amy, took me out for a drink and she said, let's just have a serious conversation. What is fucking going on with you? Like what? And I'm like, it's just not working. I'm just going to crash. My reputation's going to go down. My money's going to go down. I'm going to drag my family down with me. My family's going to be out on the street. So I thought you were going to say that. I've printed off our goals from January. And she went through and she said, these were our top three targets. These were our next five targets. And we went through them and we were ahead of all of them. I mean, like in some cases, we were like 120% ahead. So like 220% of the target. At worst, we were 40% ahead. And she said, just look at this. I'm going to read this to you and then you're going to look at it and then tell me if you've got any questions. And it was like, I, I can't even tell you, it was like the myth. It was like, imagine, imagine you just woke up tomorrow and COVID doesn't exist. It was like she just popped this bubble over my head, but that was totally because we had set targets in the first place and she'd forced me to go back and look at them and actually track where we were. And actually, nothing is ever as bad as what I say to myself in my own head anyway. So even if I was, you know, and we've had masses of other stuff where we've been 40 or 50% behind, but at least I know where I'm tracking. And once I know where I am, the fear of not knowing is it, I had a big medical last week and I guess I was like stalling on doing it partly lethargy in an organization but partly like the fear of finding out what I didn't want to know and then eventually I, I did it 
And I realized even if it came back saying I had stage four cancer, at least I was gonna know <laughs> rather than living in fear every night that I might and therefore not doing the test in the first place. Um, so I, I totally agree with you that tracking your goals and then holding yourself account to them is really important. And especially if you go on to investment, that is what your investors will be doing on a monthly and quarterly basis. So give yourself a good 12 month run up to it, be your own sanity, be your own business, and also to feel what it's like when that's actually going to be an externally um, tracked thing rather than just you for yourself. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, you touched on so much there, which is we have a bunch of things in our heads uh, that roll around. And unless we get it out of our heads, we're not aware of it. And actually, I'm now a certified master neuro coach. And that's what I teach women how to do, get it out of their heads, get it onto paper. And then to actually like you, you had that scenario where you kind of went to the worst case scenario. I also like to go, what's the best case scenario? Let's look at the worst. Let's look at the best. But what I love about what your COO did was she showed you the facts. And that's actually how we move forwards. And, and when we talk about brain priming at Tech Pixies and we talk about um, basing your brain on your what you want to have happen on brain-based evidence that you have done it before. And even when you haven't done it before, you've got evidence in your life that I never knew how to drive a car before. I never knew how to walk before. I never knew how to ride a bike before. And you can say there's things in my life I didn't know how to do before. And now I do know how to do them. So I can therefore do this. And it's just getting the, the trash out of your head and replacing it with the facts and the truth and what's going to move you forwards. So what a gift she gave you in doing that. Track, tracking tracking that is so important. I've had a really tough few weeks recently. It works great and my kids are great. But but I was sitting on the sofa here last night, like, you know, when you're like so exhausted, just sitting doing nothing and kind of staring into space. And then I thought, and I thought, hang on a second. Let's just think about this second. So it's sunny and I'm inside working all day and I'm moving house and there's like carnage in my room over there, you can see. But, and I'm not outside on the beach, which is the vision I have of my perfect life. But hang on a second. My children... I've had a really happy day today. Like they've been out with someone else, but they, they are happy. At least they're not like they were last week sitting next to me watching TV because I haven't got anyone to look after them. And secondly, if I look over there, I can see the sea. And thirdly, I went for a swim yesterday and I'm going to go for a swim today. And I'm like, do you know what? All that's happening right now is you're busy at work and you've got a lot going on, but you've still made the choices you wanted to make. You're in the Isle of Wight, you're near the water, your children are happy, you are with them, and this will pass. Like, and, and it's just reframing the question to go, hang on, like, let's just stop beating myself up so hard on this. Like, let's get some better. And then secondly, as you said, like, just going to talk to people, like, just go, I like to go for a swim, find a friend, have a swim, pour it out. And it's never quite as bad when you say it. Like, it, how many times do you experience where you go, you know, even as I say this to you, I've just realized that I've worked out the answer. <laughs> yeah. And half the battle is just getting it out of your head you know, really important to get it out of your head. And then, and then to remind yourself why it's not true. And, uh, you know, and also I think one of the most powerful things I've learned in neurocoaching is that the things we say to ourselves, we become numb to. So if you can take what you say to yourself and project it onto someone you love, who's not in the room, right? They're not in the room, but you know, you write down all the things that you would say to yourself, and then you say them out loud to the person that you love when, when they're not around, they can't hear you, but you, you realize how hard it is to say to them the things that you say to yourself and it's in that process that you go oh my gosh I've been saying this to myself and I have not been feeling it and now I'm saying it to someone I love and wow that hurts and then you realize how damaging you know and how powerful how equally damaging and how equally powerful those words we say to ourselves are um, but such an important thing to talk about 
you're so big about nourishing the soul that when I think of you, I think of you about upskilling, but um, you were always so clear from the start that the first thing I think you were so clear about this is actually about creating community and network. And, and that's basically what I do as well. It's about community and network and self-belief and the ability for people to help themselves when you give them those new paths. Like when you when you open people's networks and you make people realize by, by bringing different people, quality, decent, smart people together, ambitious, just decent people together over content, people realize how many more skills they have. In fact, that's the concept of group theory, isn't it? Like group counseling. It's like, you're feeling bad about yourself. You go into a room where someone else is having a bad time and you realize you can make them better and you find something you feel good about yourself for. And it's the same in business context. You know, what TechPitch does, it brings people together and people find their tribe. And it's their tribe who's not their employees or their shareholders or their board. And it's not their kids or their husband or their best friend. It's people where you are being brought together by this. And then you start to help each other. And you realize that when someone's asked you a question, you give them some thoughts on that. That actually helps you reflect more on how you're running your own business. Um, and then, and then since then, you've layered over this extra bit, which is about like the actual life coaching and then about, I think, the sort of the neuroprocessing, the mental around it. But it's that is so part and part of the question. And I, I frankly, I think there's lots of resource out there about raising money and happy to go to more bad down that line. But I think what there's not about is authentic, real people talking the honest truth and that feeling of like, God, that person was a real person. It's funny, I, I was talking to a, a girl who was at school recently and she said, I'm really bored of all the people they're bringing in to talk to us at school. They're all like, no, no offense to Tim, you know, they're all Olympians. They're super talented people who've worked really hard. They know how to find themselves and they achieve great things. So I want to see people come in who've like faced adversity and gone from here to here. I don't need the people who are there. And I think that's true for business. Like I don't find any inspiration from people who've absolutely smashed it. I find them intimidating and unattainable and everything. But someone who's willing, who I admire, who's then willing to turn to me and go, yeah, that's really hard. I'm like, oh, thank God. And for me, it's Poppy Mardle who runs um, Poppy's Funerals, who I just love. And I admire so much for her business and her ethics and her values. You know, when I first lost someone in my business, I remember talking to her. I, I think so highly of her. I've assumed she's never lost anyone in, ever. And she turned to me and she went, Addy, it's the worst. It feels so personal. It's the worst. I was like, you've lost someone for your business? Like, of course I have. She goes, you do get used to it. And you do get used to realizing it's not personal. And it's okay, and you'll learn something each time, but it's the worst feeling. And of course, you're feeling heartbroken right now, and that feeling's okay. And I'm like, God, that's what I wanted to hear right now. Thank you. Yeah, I think that's so important. And, and I always say people buy from people, and businesses are run by people, you know. And, and actually, the more you can be human, the better it is for everyone. So, well, I want to thank you for your time uh, today. I know it's not, you've got a lot on, and you need to be with your family. So, I'm going to let you go, but I just, want to thank you so much. I think one of the things I wanted to say to you, uh, without trying to cry, but just to say, you know, if you hadn't been in the right place at the right time, I don't know that I would have had the, the confidence to move forwards in the way that I did. And, um, and I don't know that Tech Fixies would still be here in the way that it is. So, uh, and what a legacy that that is going to leave now. And, it, and I really do genuinely know that that's, a connection to you so thank you so much joy like me to you is one of the greatest things that ever happened to me and you've paid it back in spades like it, it was a pleasure for me like, you know, ultimately adult with vitamin pills we can't make people into who they're not but we can help enhance what they already are especially when they come with clear direction ambition and questions um you made it so easy for us um and and since then you have like it, it's a two-way relationship you're your gratitude and, you've, and your payback to us has been 
so rewarding that it makes it so easy to help you again. And I guess I leave that as a sort of a concept for others as they go out to potentially raise money to something else, which is it's got to be a two-way relationship. And I don't mean like I invest in you and you send me flowers. I mean like I invest in you and I would like to, or if I give someone some help, I'd love to know that that's had some impact. They don't need to have done it, but I'd like them to come back and go, like, you know, like I texted someone yesterday and said, I was just thinking today about something you said to me last December and it really has influenced how I've thought about the next things. And, and in sending that message, it's the right thing to do. But it also means next time I phone them with a question, they'll probably go, yeah, last time I spoke to you, it had impact and you valued it. I'll do it again. Mm. Um, thank you for having me and congratulations for what you're doing. And most importantly, to everyone else listening in, like, just go get it in life. Like, ha- I hope you smash this week in the face and have a great time. And, you know, and by that, I mean the, the balance of business and everything else that's going on. But like, good for you all. And I hope you're happy and well and thriving. And on that note, she's going to go jump in the water with her kids and have a great rest of the day. Thank you, Addie, so much. Bye.